This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to FM 96 AM 1170. The Answer. This is Gun Owners Radio, and this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns and California are California compliant. Well, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him at 760-642-7150 or just go to their website at DillonLawGP.com. Hey folks, tune in to the YouTube live stream at youtube.com slash gun owners radio. You can finally put the names with the faces and the voices. Please hit the like button, subscribe, and tell all your friends. And cover your ASP week, ASP, <laughs> is less than a month away. So join the fun, register for the class before it's sold out. Uh, learn with the best online or at a live training class. So links to register at the gunownersradio.com website. And we actually had to switch the event registration website, so the prices have actually dropped. So get your tickets now. Just go to gunownersradio.com. There are a ton of tickets left, um, especially uh, the seminar. I think the seminar is unlimited, the 21 Lessons Learned. So uh, it's from your comfort of your own home, but uh, get some in-person training. I think uh, John Korea is just about the best out there. So mm-hmm. so Dave. Yes, sir. What, uh, what, what shirt you got on today, man? Gunfighters Tactical. Gunfighter Tactical, right down the street, right in Miramar. I know. I love this shirt. Thank Gun- you. It's a cool shirt. Gunfighter Tactical, one of the best gun shops in town. Yeah. And uh, so any, mostly uh, mostly tactical, but any of your uh, AR or precision needs mm-hmm. or ammo, these guys are wonderful. Lee and Ryan are huge supporters of San Diego County Gun Owners. And so we just wanted to show off everybody that they have a, a super cool shirt on. So. I'm going to be the new billboard of Gun Owners Radio, which I appreciate. Yeah. And I will wear this shirt proudly. 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 I'll be at Bon Giovanni's tonight at 630. <laughs> I will wear it and show everybody, and I'll wear it next week. Because it's all about supporting our advertisers, you know, and just supporting and, the good folks that are out there. And the local shops. We're going to start. Yeah. Dave's going to be a billboard for yep. a local gun shop every week now and uh, feature, uh, you know, whoever. Whoever sends in a, a cool shirt, Gunfighter Tactical just has the honor of being the first. I know. It's so, a wonderful day. So, hey, so it's been cool, a fun week, huh? It's been a fun week. It's been a cool weekend, actually. I wanted to point a couple of things out. Oh, before you do that, there's a job opportunity for you in Northern California. <laughs> There's a school board that is <laughs> that. looking looking for some board members. <laughs> the entire school board resigns. Didn't realize they were in front of uh, the, the public uh, Zoomy and started uh, bashing on the started being honest and saying what they were really thinking about the, the parents of the students. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw there in case you wanted to be a board member. Yeah, really. Well, I think uh, in that case, it's it, it'd be a 
they you know it's a b-o-r-e-d member because they were <laughs> they were definitely uh, yeah, I was, I was not amused but we had a cool weekend i i was I, I wanted to point a couple things out um you know it's easy to get down on gun rights and hr 127 mm-hmm. and biden won over trump um but i really wanted i wanted to point out some some really good you some really good news just in southern california belly of the beast right worst gun state in the nation southern right. california just in southern california orange county gun owners had a uh, an event yesterday where they gathered signatures to boot gavin newsom that went really really well there were multiple gun shop tabletops in san diego manned by people signing up members getting people involved Getting more women shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, Riverside County had a uh, their first uh, gun shop tabletop. The sheriff Bianco came by to say hello, um, just cool. to just to show support. This morning we had a shooting social with twenty brand new shooters for for Guns and Moses, which is a Jewish shooting mm-hmm. group. And we have a booth at uh, there's an event called um, it's called like Freedom Market. Did you hear about this? Mm. So it's at Joe. Did you hear about it? No, I have not. It's called the the Freedom Market, and it's a it's it's a it's a you know a protest. It's a, people that want to reopen uh, San Diego. But what it is is a bunch of booths. It's like a big expo, and it's at the Encore Event Center in like Mira Mesa. I don't know if you've seen that mm-hmm. venue. I was unfamiliar with it too. They're expecting thousands of people, and we have members, board members, members manning a booth there. There's so much activity. There's so much Second Amendment activity going on this weekend, you know, across three counties. Um, there's so much to be done. I know it's easy to kind of just sit back and and you know, you know, do your your hand wringing and you know, gosh, you know, are the patriots ne- waking up? Is I, this what you're telling me? I what I think. Well, I don't know if if that's the case, but I think it, it's a lot. It, this is what happens when you stop complaining. And start acting. You're saying, you saying it was a good weekend around the county. It was a great uh, weekend. We had um, our hybrid pistol match at the Lemon Grove Rod and Gun Club yesterday. Hybrid, and uh, so they're not. You can't have a gas-powered pistol. Nah, you it guess it's it's more it's semantics is what it is. It's, <laughs> it's an electric to differentiate pistol between the one that they they set up more for the revolver guys. So mm. it's just different stages. But um, we normally get about 40, 45 people, something like that. We had almost seventy. Yesterday, including uh, Melissa and her gang from the uh, Escondido uh, range, because uh, I guess they normally shoot up there. So uh, we had a lot of people there. It was one of the biggest crowds I think I've seen. They had to break it up into um, three different squads. So it was uh, our Melissa. It's pretty cool. Melissa yes. Lee from the show. Our Melissa. Melissa she brought Lee. her group of rabble rousers down to Lemon Grove. Yes, yes, a whole gang of them. So, uh, nice. so it was great. She and has they, and a posse. On our squad. She has a posse. Who t- oh, he- she does. Here's the question. Yeah, I know. Good. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> what was the question? Did, she, did who, who 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 did better? You or Melissa? She scored a little higher than I did. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. yeah, it was a great. Day. I've heard. I've never been shooting with her, but I've gotten a lot of feedback that she's very good. Mm-hmm. She puts. All of it into the shooting. Let me well, tell you. And she has that that supercharged uh, yeah. CZ, and but she puts the time in. I don't want to say. I don't want to make it sound like it's no, no, no. She, she puts, puts the in, time in. Yeah, she puts yeah. in the effort and great commentary when she goofs up. So it's uh, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> That's there's the video out there. I bet there are. <laughs> Which brings up a point. If I don't mind kicking in, ammo. How are we doing with ammo availability? Bad. It's terrible. Yeah. If you can find bad. it, it's going to be expensive. But, is that what it is? Yeah. Wow! I just went around. I hit a bunch of gun shops this week, and uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty bleak. Pretty bleak. 
pretty bleak. So, I, you know, um, and and uh, we talked a little bit about it. We had our monthly meeting last Wednesday on Zoom, and some folks brought it up. Y- you have to just ditch the whole, oh, they're gouging, and, you know, this isn't – these aren't people taking advantage of a situation. This is – a supply chain problem. Mm-hmm. It is a bunch of new demand and not enough supply. Right. Everybody's just trying to keep their head above water. And, and you know, even if there is, even if it is, even if there is a shop out there that is, has increased their price on ammo, you got to understand they're they're getting so little ammo. Uh, you know that they're just trying to keep their doors open. Well, and aren't they having to pay more for that limited ammo as well? Ammo, they are. I, the feedback I'm getting is that guns, not necessarily. You yeah, know, guns, right, right, you know, right. Guns are being, but sold mainly ammo because yeah, it's ammo. just, yeah, it's just not available. Well, and again, and you can find it. You know, stores have it. You got to look around because we've got a system that I'll talk about. There, I'm not going to reveal the system. You have a you have but, an ammo uh, system. We got we got a place to sure go regularly. And How do I get they, it on that? They never know what they're going to get. It's different every but week. But they know when they're going to get it. We do know when. So you get there about 45 uh, minutes before when, yeah, and then which uh, is opening. Yeah, and, you, you, uh, you know, you tipped your hand a little bit the last couple <laughs> weeks because you, you told me you last couple weeks. You said that there's some guy you know. Yeah. From <laughs> the only way you know him is from waiting in line for That's ammo. Right. So. That's it. So we are gonna we're gonna keep pounding on Joe. We'll get more information right here on Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Uh, okay, hey, folks, it is. We are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10 ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offers elite self defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and provide rock bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association.com. All right, who's our special guest today, sir? Well, before we go to our special guest, we're going to do a couple of shout outs to folks that are watching oh. us on YouTube. Okay. We got Kyle B., Ryan, and Dr. Exotic. But that sounds like uh, yeah, it does. That's <laughs> that all I'm like gonna a, say. Sounds like one heck of a group. But sure anyway, Kyle B. Ryan and Doctor Exotic. Thank you so much for uh, for watching us. Okay, special guests from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, Bill Brassard and Mark Olivia. Bill's the senior director of communications, and Mark is the director of public affairs. And we want to talk to him a little bit about Project Child Safe. How are you, gentlemen? Doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Thank doing, you. Yeah, doing very well. Thanks for having us. You bet. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. First off, let's talk. I know a lot about the NSSF, um, and you guys do fantastic work. And uh, I know every shop in town knows who you guys are, and all the ranges know exactly who you are because you are very supportive and super helpful. Um, but uh, tell tell the listeners exactly who the NSS the NSSF is, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, who you guys are, what you guys do. 
Yeah, so uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation is the trade association for the firearms industry. So our members are the manufacturers, retailers, shooting ranges, um, you know, the distributors and uh, publishers of uh, outdoor media, uh, hunting organizations, conservation organizations. So, um, you know, we are uh, the group that basically provides expertise and, and training for people on one side of the counter, not the customer side. So the business side of things. So uh, advice and expertise uh, in the way of how to uh, how to manage your business, how to how to manage your range, or what what type of things do you guys uh, work with them on? Yeah, all those well, I'll, I'll jump in here real quick on this bill. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. Uh, we actually, yeah, we do we do quite a bit actually on the ability for our member companies to be able to do business. Uh, part of that is uh, the work that we're doing in, in the state capitals and in Washington, D.C., uh, to make sure that uh, we're not burdened down by, uh, you know, onerous uh, regulations and laws that are going to really in- interrupt the way we do business. And I think probably the most visible way that your listeners probably saw that happen this past year was when we had the COVID shutdown start. So when the COVID shutdown started, uh, our folks were working with uh, the Department of Homeland Security to get firearm manufacturers, distributors, retailers, ranges, all listed as essential services uh, so that way they could stay open. And that was fundamental for, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is we have military obligations. We have to be able to fulfill those contracts. Uh, but two is also law enforcement. Unless you're a big law enforcement department like uh, Los Angeles Police Department or New York City, uh, probably chances are that the local law enforcement are buying their firearms from the local retailers. And I used to live there in Southern California. I know the area very well. So I know that my local police departments, when I lived there, were not buying their firearms directly from manufacturers. They were getting them from their local police departments. So they need to be able to stay open for that. But most importantly, your ability to exercise your Second Amendment did not come with a pandemic clause. Right. That it had to stay open during that time. So you were able to exercise your Second Amendment rights. And in some states, uh, that came down sometimes to a county by county, very much so there in California. Yeah, uh, we're we're, ha- we're having to fight that county by county up in the Bay Area and around Los Angeles. It was it was ridiculous. It was about a year ago. the The Trump administration started putting together, you know, a, a multi page I forget dozen pages of a of an inst- of an instruction. Basically, here here states here's how to uh, here's how to uh, deal with shutting down businesses was was kind of in you know, the gist of it. And there was a section that basically said, you, you can't shut these businesses down because you'll grind everything to a, to a halt. It was pretty clear to us that gun shops were a part of that. But just like you're saying, it was kind of this, this weird patchwork, county by county. If you lived in an anti-gun county, they wanted to shut down uh, gun shops. If you lived in a pro-gun uh, county, then they wanted to keep them open. Here in San Diego, it was split right down the center. We actually had a, a local official, a county board of supervisor, just unilaterally kind of off the cuff say oh no they all need to shut down and man we had to swing into action and i know you guys were a big part of that across the state but uh eventually maybe oh a couple couple weeks after that uh the administration came out with uh with rock solid yes you know gun shops gun ranges are essential and i know you guys were a big part of that and i appreciate it very much okay so let's talk about project child safe tell us about project child safe this month actually on gun owners radio it's uh, Gun Safety Month, so uh, we thought this was a perfect subject, and we wanted to hear more about it. So tell us about Project Child Safe. 
Sure, happy to. So Project Child Safe is the firearms industry's gun safety program. It's been running for a little more than 20 years, and it's really active and or has been active at one time or another in almost every community in the country through partnerships with law enforcement. So any law enforcement agency can uh, request free uh, educational literature and locks from Project Child Safe at projectchildsafe.org and then run a, a gun safety program in their community. So its emphasis really is on encouraging responsible gun ownership, uh, making sure people understand how to safely handle and uh, secure their firearms when they're not under their direct control. And the idea is obviously to uh, help prevent accidents, particularly of children, um, and uh, preventing uh, thefts of firearms as well as uh, suicides, which is an increasing concern of, uh, of NSSF these days. So how is that implemented? Like, how do, what's, how's that executed? Yeah, so, um, you know, any law enforcement agency can request the locks and literature, and then we help them uh, launch a campaign in the community to raise awareness, not just for getting a free gun lock, but to help people understand how to make a decision on what the best storage device is for them. Uh, so we know there's a lot of new gun owners out there. Uh, a lot of them are seeking information on how to keep guns out of the wrong hands, out of kids' hands, and uh, people who are at risk. And so we help them work out, uh, you know, what device is best for them. So a lot of people purchase guns for personal and home defense. They want quick access to them. A cable lock or a full-size gun safe may not be the right choice for them uh, in their, their home circumstance. So we try to steer them towards a quick access lockbox, for example. So only they have access to it, but, but kids and other unauthorized persons in the home uh, do not have access to it. You know, we I get a lot. People ask me a lot, you know, hey, I want to buy a new gun. How much does it cost? And uh, I always give them a range, and I always figure in a good five, six, maybe even thousand dollars, five, six hundred dollars to a thousand dollars above that uh, for things like, you know, if you have kids, especially, you have to have some kind of uh, locking device, some something to keep it secure. When what is your what's what's the industry advice or what's NSS NSSF's advice, National Shooting Sports Foundation's advice, if someone has a kid, uh, or just in general, let's start in general. If I have a gun, when should it be locked? The gun should be locked when it's not under your control. So basically on your person uh, or very close by. And uh, so when you're not controlling that gun, that gun really needs to be locked so somebody else cannot gain control of it. And uh, among the best ways to do that is, is the free cable lock that we provide. But a quick access lock box or a lockable gun safe uh, or the gun case is, uh, is uh, a way to do it. And I would say that that also uh, includes making sure that firearm is not accessible to anybody else but yourself in a car or in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. We know uh, thefts of guns uh, uh, from vehicles is on the rise, and particularly in urban areas. And so we uh, we want to remind people that you know they make lock boxes for cars or uh, or. Uh, uh, trucks and uh, uh, devices that can be secured in other ways, to like a seat stanchion with a uh, with a metal cable, and so it's easy to accomplish uh, safe storage in, in a vehicle and not rely on your your car's door lock or a glove compartment box. 
So what? Uh, let, me jump, hey, sure. let, me, let me jump in just real quick on this too, because I, I think it, uh, one of the things that that Bill's been really push on this uh, on with Project Childsafe, and, and I really give him a lot of credit for all the work that he's done, is a couple of years ago, and you, you talked about kids, and and I and I'm going through this now because my kids are now to the point where they're grown, but you know throughout my life, my storage needs were. Uh, they changed. They changed, you know, year by year uh, as my kids grew up. When I was a single guy living by myself, my storage needs were were pretty simple. Um, then after I got married and I had kids, then I had to start, you know, reassessing what those storage needs were going to be to make sure that those firearms are going to be able to lock and inaccessible to my kids. And listen, we all know any of us who have kids, you have no secrets as a parent, and that includes your firearms. I mean, your your children are going to know where they're at, so you want to make sure that they're going to be locked up and accessible to them. But even as my kids got older and I could trust them around the firearms, uh, uh, you know, not to touch the firearms as they understood this, as they became teenagers and then young adults. Well, now I've got grandkids now running around the house. So I've got to reassess my storage needs all over again. And I think that's important. And, and Bill's actually has tools on Project Child Safe's website to help people walk through that process of assessing what those storage needs are going to be as, as you go through different phases of your life. Now, what do you think about, I, I hear this, I, I don't want to say a lot, but I hear, I hear this often enough um, that I, I think it's, uh, should, you know, need, it needs a good answer. And I, I'm not honestly quite sure how to, how to address it. Um, when, when, when parents say, hey, you know what, I don't lock my firearms up around my kids. I just teach my kids respect for firearms. Do you guys have a stance on that, or what are your thoughts on that, or how would you address that, or is there any literature that would help with that? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, that people should talk to their kids to teach them respect for firearms and, and safety around firearms. But locking a firearm is important uh, because you never know. Uh, when your kid is going to bring other kids uh, into the home. And, you know, we know kids snoop around. We know kids are curious about all sorts of things, including firearms. So we want to make sure that those guns are not accessible uh, to the friends of your your, your children. Um, and then there's the theft, the theft issue as well. I mean, uh, we, we've talked about thefts out of vehicles, you know, thefts from homes are a concern. And, you know, firearms are expensive. They're your property. You don't want them falling into the hands of a criminal and even potentially be, being used in a crime. Um, the other thing is, and Mark, you know, sort of touched on it, is sort of the, the way things evolve in a family. And we're, we're very concerned about self-harm. You know, some 60% of uh, all firearm fatalities are suicides and not accidents. They're not homicides and you know people go through phases in their life and you never know when things uh, may get to be a, a little overwhelming for someone so we want to make sure those firearms are not accessible to somebody going through a really difficult time yeah it doesn't seem i, I think that's excellently put I, it doesn't seem like it's enough i'm not a parent um but it doesn't seem like it's enough to just teach your kids about firearms uh, especially when they're younger it seems like hey you know uh respect is is important and Knowledge is important, but it does seem like there need. I don't think that there needs to be a mandate from the government, but there does need something needs to happen. So, all right, folks. Hey, we're going to go ahead and come back after a quick commercial and continue talking to Mark and Bill right after the right after this. So stay with us. This is FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Hunters Radio. 
FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks. Thank you. Cover your ASP Week sponsors. U.S. Law Shield has always been a strong supporter of our show and stepped up as the title sponsor. Bill DC with CCW USA. Seal One. Lead Slingers Whiskey. Magpul and Hive Technology. And thank you, Glockstore, for sponsoring the Law Enforcement Training Scholarship. And thank you, Shakespeare's Pub, San Diego's best fish and chips, for being the food sponsor. Paul Crawford, the owner, really supports Second Amendment and what we're doing. So to Paul and the gang at Shakespeare's, thank you for your support. And that's where we should have our next meeting. Uh, Listeners, show your appreciation and stop by their pub over over by the airport and get some awesome fish and chips. And continued from our last segment, we've got Mark uh, Olivier and Bill Brassard from NSSF. The National Shooting Sports Foundation. And we're talking about pro- their, their project called Project Child Safe, which is fantastic. So how can people get more information on that or, or what else can, uh, how can people use it? Is it always done through law enforcement agencies or is there a civilian element? Yeah, well, the uh, the website is the place to go for uh, tons of information on responsible gun ownership, how to store your guns properly, how to talk to your kids uh, about gun safety, whether they're really young kids or whether they're teens, um, how to make the right choice on uh, finding the safety device that, that will work for you. So that's all at projectchildsafe.org. And I would add we have one uh, new resource that's really great, and I'd like to draw people's attention to sure. it, especially if they're parents. And it's uh, it's the Parents' Guide to Understanding Youth Mental Health and uh, Preventing Unauthorized Access to Firearms. So we know the pandemic has certainly added stress to people's lives, and that includes you know adults and teens, and it's raised concerns about mental health and, uh, and self-harm. So we want parents to better understand how they can recognize when their kids are going through a difficult time uh, for whatever reason and uh, to make sure that they can't access uh, a firearm or anything else that in the house that might be used for self-harm. Uh, it's a real concern in, uh, during these, these times. So projectchildsafe.org, tons of information there. In that, that's an enormous subject. I mean, you know, Obviously, uh, self-harm and, and uh, mental health is, is a huge passionate subject um, and, and can lead to uh, – self-harm is always a horrible tragedy, but mental health can lead to horrible tragedies. They're not always necessarily connected. Um, I don't want to you know, misrepresent, but one of the things – I think that there's uh, – and, and people should care about it just because people are important um, and it's, it's – it, you know, uh, people are valuable. Um, but there is, it, it gives you this, when something bad happens, the other side uses this tragedy as, as leverage, um, you know, they, uh, uh, to, to basically uh, advance their political agenda. So if, if, if you're sitting at home thinking to yourself, well, that's somebody else's problem or, you know, that's their kid's problem or I, you know, my kids are fine or whatever, you know, this isn't just good advice for, for, for some parents, you know, this is. Uh, being armed with this knowledge and being able to deliver this knowledge to people around you in your circle of influence is activism. This this helps the cause, you know, in a very broad way. Not only are you helping people, which is an enormously important thing, but you're also helping the cause. 
I don't, did yeah, I, that's how, exactly did I, right. Okay, did I explain that well? No, you summer, you, you did. You, you really uh, got right to the point. And that's what we're trying to do at NSSF and with our partner, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, is to broadly educate the, the firearms community about suicide and prevention to help them understand, you know, warning signs and risk factors and how to go about having a conversation with someone who is going through a difficult time um, because suicide can be prevented. That's what we want to get across to people and that, um, you know, there are ways to have that brief conversation and to literally save a life. Now, is there a distribution plan? Now, let's say that the, 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 my target audience that I just explained to, like, hey, you're, you're sitting out there listening to us and you're thinking to yourself, my kids are grown or I don't have kids or whatever. How can they help distribute this information? What, what, what can they do to get your information out to the world? Yeah, so the best place to go uh, is projectchildsafe.org, but there is also additional information at nssf.org slash safety. And uh, so I would encourage them to go there, um, you know, for general gun safety information, as well as our information uh, about suicide prevention. And then maybe take that information and share it with others at a, at a very basic, simple level. At least, you know, go, go learn about it, go learn what to say and why, and then take that information and share it with others. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, it's important, especially in the topic of, of suicide and mental health, to, uh, to keep the conversation open that, you know, um, when people don't talk about this, these things, uh, as difficult as these conversations are, when they don't talk about them, that's when bad things can happen. And so we want to take the stigma away from talking about suicide, talking about mental health, and have more conversation about that, more information out there. Um, because, uh, you know, statistics show that almost one out of every two people have somehow been touched by suicide. And it's mm-hmm. not always uh, connected with a firearm, right? So uh, we know people... Uh, um, you know, attempt self harm with uh, with other things, including uh, drugs and and uh, other substance abuse. And uh, so, it's just important to know about the topic overall because uh, it is a concern throughout the country, and especially during this time of the pandemic when uh, people are under uh, a lot of stress. Well, when when we go to a range, when I know when I go to a range and I'm taking a class or doing a competition, something like that. We've all heard gun safety is everyone's responsibility. And I don't think that ends at the range. And this is certainly a way to uh, continue that, that same productive and good attitude once you've left the range is to get the you know, first off, educate yourself with, uh, with, 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 your, uh, with your program and, and, and the uh, resources that you have, but then get it out to people. Don't keep it to yourself. Um, now, 2020, we had a ton of new gun owners in San Diego and in the rest of the rest of the nation, did you guys see an enormous uptake or, or uptick or what, what kind of, what kind of stats did you guys see? I know you guys keep a lot of records. Are you saying that there's a hard time finding guns and ammo in San Diego County? <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. It's a hard time to find <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not surprising. We actually had uh, 21 million background checks for the sale of a firearm in 2020. And that was by far a record uh, that we've had, for any year previous. So, so 21, 21 million background checks just in the year 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of put that, into, yeah, put that in perspective, our best year previous to 2020 was 2016. And we had 15.7 million background checks then. And if you wanted to back it up just one year, in 2019, we had 13.2 million background checks. So we had an over 7 million 
uh, jump in, in people buying firearms. And, and the interesting part about this is uh, during the summer, we, we really wanted to kind of get a handle on who was buying these firearms. Uh, and, of course, there's no national registry. There's nowhere that you can go look to say Mark Oliver didn't own a gun yesterday, but today he does. So we, we looked at that. We asked our retailers, what are you seeing in these stores? And, and they told us that 40% of the people that were buying a gun in 2020 were buying one for the very first time. Mm. So based on that 21 million figure, that's over 8.4 million people who bought a gun for the very first time wow. in 2020. And that's a, that's a bit of a tectonic shift when we start talking about gun ownership in America. These are people who, before firearm ownership was a rhetorical question. You could talk about it at the cocktail party, but you really didn't have skin in the game. Well, now they literally made an investment with hundreds of dollars to go in and say, I'm going to become a gun owner this year. And the primary driving reason behind that was safety. Interestingly as well is 40% of the people who are buying guns in 2020, women. Yeah. And the biggest increase we saw of any demographic group from 2019 to 2020 was among African-American men and women purchasing firearms. And that was a 58% increase. So what I try to get that across to people is today's gun ownership doesn't fit quite neatly into that nice neat little box that everyone tries to put it in that it's, you know, old male and pale that are just buying guns. Well, that's not true anymore. It's really becoming like the rest of America is today's gun owner. I, I think it was even, I think it was even more skewed in, in San Diego as far as the, at least it was specifically what I'm talking about is the percentage of uh, new, new gun owners. I think there was a even higher percentage of people who are buying a gun for the first time in, in places like like San Diego, where I don't I don't think gun ownership is is quite as uh, there's not quite the depth of gun ownership in San Diego County that there is in maybe some other parts of the country, and I think that uh, that forty percent is probably even higher um, in in places like San Diego. And you know we've done a number of things to help San Diego County gun owners have done a number of things to help try to educate new new shooters, and we've had a lot of really great success. But one really quick, we had this really cool shooting social that's just for new shooters, and we realized two days prior that the entire – we open it up and just say, hey, anybody that knows anybody who needs to come and learn, you know, come on down. It's a, it's, it's, uh, it's a low price, and we'll, we'll teach you just the basics and get you ready for a professional class because we want to make sure that you, you know, take a professional you know, day-long or multi-day class. Every single one that signed up was a woman. You know? And we looked at the, at the roster going in, and we thought, wow, th- this isn't a woman's group. You know, it wasn't like the, you know, a women's association or whatever that was doing it. Every single person that found us, that that shooting social just happened to be a woman, which we're really, really proud of. Now, you guys do a really great job at uh, uh, having resources for first-time gun owners. What what types of, of resources do you guys have or uh, what have you guys – is there anything you've, you've had to set up? I mean, you already had a number of things in place, but um, what, what can a new gun owner learn by going to NSSF? Yeah, I think Bill probably has some of the best information because it kind of ties in with a lot of the safety programs that he's been doing. Yeah, so, you know, gun owners can go to projectchildsafe.org to um, acquire all that, that safety information about storage and so forth. But I would also encourage new gun owners to go to a website called letsgoshooting.org. And there they will really get a great overview of um uh, uh, of the different types of the shooting sports, you know, that they can get involved in. You know, you know, we want them to get out to the range because somebody who's using their gun on a regular basis is going to be more proficient with their skills. They're going to uh, be a safer gun owner if they understand, you know, sort of a second nature on how their gun works, how to unload it safely. And uh, uh, so that's what I would say. Let's go shooting.org. That's awesome. 
That's very, very cool. Is this trend going to continue in 2021, or is the lack of demand kind of kind of killing it? Or what do you think? Real quick, we actually got to we got to we got to part ways. But what do you think? Is it going to continue in 2021? Yeah. Well, to, in January, we had 2 million background checks, which, of course, was another record. And, and everything we're hearing uh, colloquially and, 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 and anecdotally is that it is not slowing down in February either. Well, there so, you go. Uh, well, thank you on. very much. Bill and Mark from uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation. Thanks, guys. Hey, folks, stay right there. And after the break, we're talking with Justin Baca from Rifle Supply in Huntington Beach right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170 Gun Owners Radio. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, clean lube and protect your gun faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans lubricates and protects your gun it's also natural non-toxic and environmentally friendly seal one was founded by a navy seal here in san diego and all their products are made in the usa seal one is also a strong supporter of san diego county gun owners so we are very proud to have them on board clean your guns faster and better with seal one and you can use a special code gor25 for 25% off your first order on on their website at seal1.com. And you can also use it to stop squeaky microphones. I think it needs a little seal one here in the studio. It sounds like a seal, now that you mention it. Sounds like old-fashioned radio. That's what it sounds like. That's exactly right. So our guest has not called in. You know what we're going to do? We're going to switch things up. We're going to go right to Joe. Joe wrote a really awesome article, as always called Things Gun Owners Can Do to Get Involved. And it's a very, very... Um, oh, wait. Oh, you got to do breaking. some shout-outs. I want to thank Jimmy Wong, who's a great supporter of our show. And he's watching us on YouTube. So all in, all in one wave to there you Jimmy go. Wong. There you Thanks, go. Jimmy. All right, Jimmy. So sit tight and let's listen to Joe Dramisi. Yes. Joe, you wrote an article, Things Gun Owners Can Do to Get Involved. What was the catalyst? for What, what made you write the article? Well, the catalyst um, <laughs> was uh, we were talking about ammo a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, some of this, I, I've developed the theory that I'm going to buy what I can buy when I can buy it. Yeah. I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I've decided um, if I can find ammo someplace, I'm going to buy ammo. And um, so I found a place. And... Um, Somebody, He's not going to tell you, folks. Not, Don't even bother. Not a chance. And uh, <laughs> so somebody turned me on to this. And, uh, the guy out, you stood in line with? Not him, no. But I, it's like guy, a, yeah, I met him. So I, met him. I have this image of Joe I, I like, you know, behind a grocery store, and some guy pulls up in like a Lincoln Continental yeah. or something. And in the trunk. trunk. In the trunk. I do, yeah. too. It's like uh, the charity match. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or what was that? What was that one uh, uh, that uh, they were looking for light bulbs on uh, the one? Uh, oh, shoot. I can't even think of the name of it. But it's a it's a great show, and they were looking for the old style light bulbs. Seinfeld? No, it was better than that. <laughs> I know that's usually the right answer. Yeah, and they were in the grocery store, and they, yeah. and they had a code word for these special light bulbs. There's an old uh, W. C. Fields movie with Mister Muckle. That was a light bulb. That right? was a light bulb too. <laughs> but, anyway, so um, all right, so you're out gathering. So ammo. decided I was going to do this. So found found a place. We found out when they get their ammo. Somebody told me about this. So if you show up about a half an hour before they open, the day after they get their ammo. 
um, they usually have ammo. And um, the prices are higher, but, I mean, I don't think they're any more inflated than they need to be. Because like we were yeah. saying earlier, you know, the materials cost more, the shortage. I mean, they're paying more for it. Because um, some shops, I mean, there are some places that, I don't know if gouging is the right word, but there are some places where it's really high. And um, and I think different businesses have different um, opportunities, too. I think if you're a, like a big box store or a big national chain, you probably have more flexibility. Your prices can probably be a little bit lower. If you're just a single gun shop, it may be that you have to pay more because of the volume that you buy. So it could be things like that. But um, anyway, this place um, we discovered. So you get there about a half an hour or so before uh, the doors open. And usually there's 10 or 12 people in line. And, um, you know, I, you start to see the same people every week. So I've got, like, my ammo line friends now. <laughs> and, um, you know, the one guy uh, over the week, I always talk about San Diego County gun owners. And, and he got involved and he started looking, looking us up, started reading the blog articles. And he was saying, you know, you should write an article about what can people really do specifically. Because, um, you know, they would ask there, and I'd, I'd rattle off a bunch of things, but I, it tends to be general. I tend to be general with that. And he's saying, no, what, what are some specific things? So I thought, hmm. well, let me ask some people that know more than I do. So um, I sent out a couple of emails. Um, three, uh, three people I know that are heavily involved in the Republican Party, because the answer to all this is political. I mean, that's, you know, the, the way to stop what, what Biden and all these people are doing is really political. That's the way to do it. And unfortunately, that road runs through the Republican Party. So that party's got to get fixed and utilized. So people need to get involved with things. And um, so I thought, well, let me ask some of these guys. Um, you know, all three of them are, are uh, either current or former office holders. And I just sent a quick email. Hey, um, you know, what are three or four things that people can do, specific things that can, people can do if they want to get involved? And not surprisingly, I heard nothing back from any. Actually, I heard nothing from two, and I got a joke answer from one. So um, then I decided. You didn't well, get the number one, which is send money. Yeah, really. <laughs> now maybe it's coming though. They have the email now. But um, uh, so I did. Uh, I decided. Well, let me ask Michael about this. Michael, being a Second Amendment activist, should know about this stuff. And like, what in five minutes, I got a whole page of stuff enough to do the article <laughs> uh, of really great specific things. So um, it was. It was therapeutic. I bet it was. It yeah. was a little therapeutic. Well, it was pretty much, you know, you wrote my article for me, really, but but some great stuff in there. And um, so, you know, if we just go through it a couple of, because you had five, you broke it down into five different areas, I think, of what people can do. And I you remember the five areas here. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the first one you talked about organizations and getting involved in organizations. Yep. And you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Organizations. So if I found, personally, I mean, really the reason uh, – you know, we, we invented San Diego County gun owners is for years. Um, I was, I was a kind of a lone voice out in the, out in the wilderness. I mean, you know, um, a couple, you know, there, there were other people that valued the second amendment, you know, some of them were even in the political arena, but honestly, if you're just kind of out there spouting off, um, you know, no one cares about your opinion, frankly, mm -hmm. uh, to be perfectly frank. Um, so no matter how many people I spoke to, uh, it was nowhere near as effective as it was after we formed San Diego County Gun Owners because then I, it wasn't just me. I represented people, and those people donated money in order to help candidates. So people and money. It always goes back to people and money. So going at it alone is is just ineffective. So And there are a number of organizations out there that are shells. And what that means is, 
they have officers, they have a piece of paper that says they exist. They probably even have a bank account, but they're kind of, kind of hanging on, you know, they, they kind of, well, you know, we're going to try to do this one project, but you know, Bill's got a, you know, got a thing. He's got to travel and Mary's got to raise her kids or whatever, you know, and, and they didn't it, quit their job <clears throat> and put all of it into one project, which is what you did. Why? Well, well, you can't. I mean, how many people? Well, can I do know, that? but so, that's that's that's. I think that's the point you're driving at. Kind of, yeah. But join those organizations and help them. I mean, there are you know, there's they they elect a board and then like everybody disappears and the board is expected to you know you know do miracles. Join these organizations. Don't go at it alone. You're not just going to go down to a Republican Party meeting and say, "Hey, we all need to, right. you know, do this," and everybody's going to say, "Oh, we've been waiting for you to, you know, give us such sage advice." Join the organizations and help them. They're yeah. looking for you, and they're designed to to uh, to allow you to be a force multiplier, so that you're not just one voice. You're you're a voice representing many. Well, and, and I'm going to throw a little caveat in there as well. My first show was San Diego Off Road Coalition. And Pismo Beach, you've heard me talk about Pismo Beach. You, you know, you used to be able to camp there for ten dollars a night. You could take your vehicle off road. They've had it closed for years mm. because of Corva, San Diego Off Road Coalition, Four Wheelers of California. It's now open, mm. and it's because as groups, we've physically gone to Sacramento. We've we've done the Zoom meetings. We've we've voiced our opinions, and we are making a definite change and a difference. No different than San Diego County gun owners. The quickest and easiest, the most effective thing you can do right now to be an activist is join a group and start participating. Exactly. So, without and, a doubt. And, uh, you know, for those listening now, if, uh, please take the time to go look at the article because we're going to go through it pretty quickly here. But, um, you know, Michael broke this up in the f about five different areas, and there are five or six specific things that you could do under each area. So, I mean, there's something for everybody. There's There's real stuff that you could take action on or act on right here. So, um, you know, please take a look at the article. It's on the San Diego County um, Gun Owners website on our blog yeah, page. Yeah, stcgo.org slash blog. You know what we'll do is we're, this actually, we're going to spread this out into two segments. So we're going to spend the second segment too. So let's just talk about the next one, and then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll finish it up in the next segment as well. So the next one then, uh, Michael was saying, was the elected. So the people that are elected officials. And, uh, you know, I was saying this earlier, the, the resolution to this, you know, this anti-gun stuff and all the other stuff that's going on right now is a political solution and you know the uh, uh, unfortunately it requires to go us to go through the other big political party out there which is kind of in bad shape right now so man this gets around to getting rid of the bad people or getting them voted out of office and getting good people elected in either party but it comes down to that so michael was talking about the elected the actual officials and how to approach them if you don't know, and I've, I've actually asked people this who've come up and said, hey, how can I be an effective uh, activist? You know, what can I do? What, what, you know, how do I get involved? That sort of thing. Um, and everybody's kind of looking for this silver bullet, you know, like, like I, I have this, this piece of paper or something that says, you know, hey, just do this and it'll solve all your problems. If you don't know your city council member, your mayor, your assembly member, your state senator, your, uh, uh, you know, your congressman, although they're a little bit diff di more difficult, but if you at least don't know your city council member and your mayor and your school board um, and your assembly member and your county board of supervisors, if you don't know those folks, you know, I just named off about, I don't know, maybe about 10 people, start there. Stop, stop doing anything else, you know, and start there. You have to go get to know these elected officials 
and because they're the ones that can make things happen. I'll give you a quick example. You know, this Nathan Fletcher guy on the county board of supervisor mouthed off and some organizations complained and some, uh, uh, you know, some other people complained and put out formal agreements and it got a little bit of, of, uh, traction. of traction, but it didn't get real traction until the city of Santee actually passed it in an official manner. So let's, let's talk about yeah. the elected a little bit more on the other side of the break, but. All right. Hey folks, are you having trouble figuring out how to help in the fight to keep your gun rights? Stick around. Joe's going to talk more about the things you can do to get involved. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone. And unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. And if you have taken training, then you know you should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Guess what? Gun Owners Radio listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit the like button and hit the subscribe button and tell all your friends what a great show this is. Joe Dramisi, let's go back to the things... Michael uh, wrote about gun owners can do to get involved. <laughs> okay. Since so, we might as well give him the credit, right? Oh, yeah. I'd say I certainly did. Um, so, so oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, this week's blog article about what specifically people can do to get involved to help uh, change things and uh, help defend the country and the Constitution, the Second Amendment, and all that stuff that's under attack right now. So Michael was good enough to come up with five different areas that um, I pretty much put verbatim right into the uh, – right into the article so we have five different areas and then five or six really good hard specific things that you could do in each area so we were talking about uh when we left before the break we were talking about um getting to know your elected representatives and how you could interact with them the best things to do. so you just have to like i said drop everything that you're doing and you know project number one is go get to know your elected officials they're not that hard to get elected uh, get to know now i'm not i don't mean you know, Senator Feinstein, uh, you know, uh, I'm talking about your mayor and your city council member, your school board member, the folks that are right there in your neighborhood. 
Um, it's extremely important. They're the ones that get things done. They're they're kind of you know they're leaders in the community and they're they're the political workhorses for sure, especially in San Diego. Um, and find candidates. And if if you meet your city council member or your mayor or whoever, and you decide, hey, you know what, this person's not right uh, for me. I don't like this the their stance on whatever. Or they're ineffective or they refuse to do anything. Then you, the next step is you got to get involved with whoever their opponent is. Um, a lot of these city councils, uh, we just had a city council race in Santee that was decided by five votes. And uh, we won, Dustin Trotter. He's a pro-gun candidate. Um, but it, it, it's, it doesn't take a lot of work to help a city council member, a mayor, somebody on the, in the local office win. Um, it's hard for them to find volunteers. It's hard for them to get people to be dedicated um, which is unfortunate, and it's and it's easy for you to reach out and say, "Hey, I'm interested in your race. What can I do to help?" You know, they might need you to make phone calls. They might need you to stuff envelopes. They might just need you to get some neighbors together in your in your kitchen and just have them come over and say, or her come over and say a few words. Um, but you can be enormously and amazingly effective by uh, just supporting a candidate. And that was one of the first things I did as an activist before, way before San Diego County gun owners. I helped a guy who was running for Congress. I helped a guy who was running for sheriff. I helped a guy who was running for uh, uh, c- city council. I, it, you know, and all you have to do is put yourself out there. Just reach out and say, "Hey, I want to help." And it's not hard. You don't have to. Be, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a, uh, you know, a rocket surgeon. You can just, uh, you know, say, "Hey, I'm here to help," and they'll put you to work. Yeah, and you know the a lo- rocket surgeon, a rocket, a surgeon. rocket surgeon. Right. <laughs> I like that. The uh, the local offices are really important too. If you you get the wrong person locally. Uh, and I would point to, you know, Nathan Fletcher as an example. I mean, they do a lot of damage locally. And these elections are, are uh, decided, you know, uh, even at the uh, supervisor level by hundreds of votes sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can really influence these. And you, and you can get people, you can in, uh, change an election. You can get people to show up to the polls who never were going to show up to the polls. You can get people who are going to show up to the polls to vote for who you need them to vote for, especially on these down-ticket races where people don't put a lot of research. You know, hey, did you know that so-and-so is against this? No, I had no idea. I was just going to vote for, I don't know, I see his yard signs all over the place. I was just going to vote for him for that reason. Um, the, he just stepped down, but the former chairman of the Republican Party, Tony Kovarik, uh, told me a long time ago, look, you can't boil the ocean. Um, so when you when you watch Fox News, and what he meant by that, when you watch Fox News or whatever you're watching these days, and you see what's going on in Washington, D.C., you're one of 350 million people in this country, you know, and you're focused on things that you have no control over and you have very little ability to influence. So it's no wonder it's frustrating. Now, you probably live in a city, I don't know, depending on where you live, but you live in a city of maybe tens of thousands. In a city of tens of thousands, um, even in uh, San Diego, it's a city of about one and a half million, they have districts so that you live in a district of tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. I think only in San Diego do they have districts that are that big, but most people live in a city where they, they live in a district of tens of thousands. You can have an influence in a district in tens of thousands, and that's what he means, and that's what he meant by you can't don't don't try to boil the ocean. Just make sure that your city council member and your mayor and your assembly member make sure that they're pro Second Amendment or believe whatever you want them to believe. But if you get involved, you can change that. And if you influence enough people to do the same thing in their district, then we're back on track. But if you just turn on 
Newsmax, Fox News, or whatever, CNN, and and just get frustrated, nothing changes but your blood pressure. Well, George Carlin always said, if you don't get involved, you have no voice. Amen. There you go. And that and that kind of leads us into the next um, uh, area that we're talking about. We went from elected officials to the actual elections themselves. And uh, Michael had some good advice along those lines as well. Yeah, well, just just, you know, the elections, that's where it all counts. I mean, in an off year, you're, all you're doing is preparing for an election. But in the elections, that's where it counts. There's so many things you can do in an election. Uh, you can, uh, we were just talking about helping an elected official, uh, or help, sorry, helping a candidate. Um, but you can uh, get involved in organizations, uh, you know, that, that support uh, candidates as well. But there's all kinds of things. You can create a voter guide. You can distribute a voter guide from somebody else. You can... Uh, you know, be, champion a, a candidate and introduce them to everybody you know, everybody in your neighborhood. Um, there are all kinds of things you can do, and that's the bread and butter of politics. That's and once that person gets into office, uh, now you know somebody who can actually, uh, you know, make change happen. Um, and and that's what's crucial. I, th- I think a lot of people sit back and kind of think, well, I'm, I, you know, that's somebody else's responsibility. It's somebody else's job, or I'm not talented enough. Um, but politics, running for office, is truly just a meritocracy. The more you work, you know, the harder you work, uh, the more you're rewarded. The more, the more that you, uh, more responsibility you're given, the more you're rewarded, and eventually your candidate gets into office, and then you can start to actually do something. If you just kind of wait and go, well, I'm going to vote for the person, and then expect to storm down to his office and, or her office and say, hey, here, you need to do this because I'm a voter. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, politics is about people; it's about relationships. So you have to be that person. You have to have that relationship. And again, we've said this a number of times on the show. I said it at the monthly meeting last last week that uh, you know this freedom and liberty that we have in our in our country, uh, this form of government where you know we're the self governed. The price of that you don't just get that; you just hand it to you, and you get to have it for the rest of your life. The price of that is eternal vigilance. And this is exactly what eternal vigilance is. You have to know who's running. You have to help them. You have to figure out uh, you know, who needs to win and how, they, how we can get them there. Um, but most off, you have to take that first step. Yeah, and then once you do get the right people in there, again, your next uh, area was change a policy. So pick something that you want to go after and go after it. Yeah, and you know, pick something bite-sized. You know, uh, I don't know what it is—some kind of parking issue, or, or you know, something like that. I mean, I'm not saying like, hey, we got a guy elected for the city council. Now we're going to eliminate the Federal Reserve. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Hey, well, I kind of like that. <clears throat> but you can make change happen, but you have to take the first step. And you're not making change for yourself. You're making change for your children. Amen. All right, folks. Hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Check out Joe's articles on the blog section at Orange County, San Diego County, Riverside County, and San Bernardino County websites. And don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. PrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Oh, mortgage interest rates have dropped. 
And if you're looking to buy or refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. That's Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage for nearly 25 years. Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. All right, Joe, you have a winner. I do. I'm told I have a winner here. Uh, John Camo has um, won a, do we have a, is it a ticket? He's won, he gets he's won, a chicken dinner. He's says won winner, access. winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> oh, that's He's won access to uh, John Correa's 21 Lessons Learned uh, seminar. Sweet. So we have that. And you got a gear review. I do. Now the, the winner's uh, out of the way. Out of the way. So, um, yeah, this week we've got um, something from um, Handle It Grips. What is that? And uh, well, I hold up the wrapper anyway. I've taken the grip out because I've installed it. But oh. uh, it comes with this. What it is is a um, it's a custom uh, laser cut uh, form of grip tape for your gun. So uh, let me pass that over to you because I know you're curious. Yeah, I am. So uh, what I've got here is... Um, Joe's uh, Glock 34, as you can see, is empty and uh, clear. So um, I've installed the grip tape on it. And um, so you can see the handle at grip tape here. You can see it uh, down this part of the handle uh, comes up here. They have a piece uh, for the top. You can see it here kind of on the back strap. And then uh, just flip this around this way on the other side. Um, what we do with this, obviously, is it improves the uh, grip or the intent is to let you be able to handle this or hang on to your gun um, without it sliding around, doing a lot of things like that. And um, pass that over. Um, so the grip tape is, um, if you see it, it comes specifically for your gun. So you would order it, like I, in that case was a Glock 34. And um, it or you order it, and it comes back, and it's a laser-cut um piece of that grip tape material actually it's got a sticky back on it uh you mold it right around to the gun um press it into place and then hit it with a hair dryer a couple of times and uh it forms very nicely um the uh it looks really nice it works real well it goes um it went on pretty easily and um mike you know it's not like i'm uh, particularly handy with that kind of stuff but uh, i have I'm no press there's no bubbles yeah, and uh, you know, I had no problems at all with it. Uh, I could see the minor mistake that I made on it, but uh, nobody else can. On the back, but yeah, yeah you spot it, huh? Because <laughs> once you stick it on her, now can you pull it off and re reposition it? You can. You probably because should. the hair dryer is what really adheres it. Right. Gotcha. So before you do that, though, they say you should avoid touching that that sticky backing part. So um, I didn't go that far. Uh, I'm I'm a, a rustic guy, so I don't mind a little bit of uh, crooked there. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, it feels it feel, good, though. It, it really does. It feels just like the uh, stippling I, that, that a lot of people are, are well, real popular. And spend a lot of money to have stippling done. Well, yeah. you, you know what's nice about this, too, is uh, like with me, the Glock fits my hand really well because it doesn't, you know, everybody's different on different mm -hmm, guns. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I have Glock hands because this did not, I mean, this fits perfectly for me. So it was interesting um, putting the grip tape on there. I, I really didn't have an issue with, you know, with, being able to hang on to this or having the gun slide around before you put it on before i put it on right um what i will say because and what i was getting at was um i did not notice any different in, in difference in terms of of my grabbing the gun and, and you know being able to hold it and how it felt what about quick draw um no problem at all i i used this yesterday i put it on um 
when did I put this on? Friday night, mm -hmm. I think, and I used it for a match uh, yesterday. Shot all day with it. Wow. And it was perfectly fine. But what I was getting at is, um, you know, grip is, is real particular to some people. And if you had a gun that fit your hand really well, you just, you know, it was a little bit slippery. Uh, putting this grip tape on there, this particular um, kind this, from Handle It, um, does not change the grip at all in terms of how it felt. You know, it made it, I mean, it felt good anyway, but what I'm saying is if the gun already fits your hand really well, it's just a little slippery for you. Uh, putting this grip tape on there is fine. It'll get rid of the slippery part, and it does not change the feel of the gun, or at least what about it, when it, it did on mine. Of course, you didn't get a chance to try it because we haven't had any precipitation, but I wonder if it would be a bonus in the rain. We were talking about that. Well, not even the rain, but like yesterday, the match was pretty nice. It was 70 degrees out there in Alpine. Sweat. Um well, that's what I was saying. A couple of months from now, it'll be 98 degrees yeah. up there doing that. And I'll bet this would be uh, pretty helpful, you know, in yeah, that. Yeah, from a slip point of view. Yeah, the thing that I did kind of notice yesterday is, because um, like I said, my these fit my hand really well, the, the gun in general. But um, sometimes when we're moving and reloading, because sometimes in the stages you'll have to move and you're reloading on the move. Um, and I, because I have to move my hand around a little bit to, to get rid of the old magazine, put the new magazine in, Sometimes I'll notice my hand slips. I didn't notice that at all yesterday. Yeah. So, and I'm not sure if that's the could be the grip tape. Um, Wait. So you're saying before the grip tape, your hand would slip a little bit. After the grip tape, it's not. Is that um, I I think I, I you, wouldn't. You, um, you, uh, it seems that way. You think that the grip tape possibly improved that? I think it did. Because well, like it I would said, almost have to. I yeah, mean, really, when you come right down name. to it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, well, normally it's, it's like not I said, slip it's tape. fine. <laughs> but, but, you know, if my hand is going to slip, it's going to be when I'm doing that. Because yeah. I have to kind of move my hand around on it a little bit. And I did not feel that at all yesterday. So I'm, I'm thinking the grip tape helped with that. Um, really nice product. The only, and I wouldn't even call this a downside, but the other thing, because this is a laser cut, you know, pattern specifically for the gun yeah, and it fits right on there. And that's nice because it does not change the shape of anything or the feel of it other than making it a little more grippy. Um, but the downside is what some people use grip tape for is to build up uh, different areas of the handle to make it fit their hand a little bit better. Hmm. You probably wouldn't be able to do that with this because it's a single laser cut piece as a, as oh. opposed to a roll of grip how, tape that you would wrap around it. How about uh, going in and out of your uh, holster? No problem at all, because most of this is outside of the holster. I mean, the, there's a little bit up near the front that's in the holster, but okay. no difference at all. So it didn't change the thickness of the gun going no. in and out? didn't stick or no, hang No, it felt up. great, because I was worried about that, because I think um, when I got this, I, I was concerned. I wanted to make sure I could take it off of here, uh, just in case. <laughs> can you take it and off? You can. You can peel it off and get rid of it. So you can't, it's not you can't permanent. use it again. Right. It's not permanent. They say it'll just peel off, but I'm, I'm leaving it on. I, I mean, it, it was fine. It and, looks uh, good, too. It does, you know, and it's um, yeah. That's again the 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 this particular one is is cut. It's laser cut exactly for this gun, mm -hmm. so it fits really well and it looks really nice. Um, if you don't care about looks, then you know there there's rolls of tape that you just wrap up. Well, yeah, and, and makes... people do that because, like I said, sometimes people want to build up the back of the gun and mm -hmm. make it fit their hand better, or sometimes they don't like how the finger grooves are around right. here. Because this one, I'm not sure if you saw it. Did it have anything to do with the trigger? There's uh, finger grooves here that oh, it's yeah. actually cut out for, which was, it was funny because I like the grooves here. They fit my hand. Yeah, perfectly. yeah. My neighbor hates these on his gun. Does he? Um, but these things fit perfectly. It doesn't do anything with the trigger. Okay. Um, the other thing I was concerned with is up here for the slide lock, and uh, it's it had that cut out. It had plenty of room. I trimmed it out a little bit more just to make sure it was going to be fine. 
Uh, and on the other side, you've got the um, magazine release here, and on the Glocks, it comes out on the back like that. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure you're not interfering with that. And, but this is fine. It, it fit perfectly. What kind of money? Um, I found these uh, on Amazon for 14 bucks. Uh, you can get them directly from the website, from the Handle It site. You could order it from there. Um, so uh, most of the stores have them. So in that, that $12, $14 range. Okay. And, and if you're lucky and you go to their website, which is Handle it.com there you go enter promo code radio 20 you'll get a 20 percent discount and that would be handle it grips.com handle it grips there we go yeah i mean one of the the that's a huge advantage because it really does that it's not permanent because it really mm -hmm. truly feels like the stippling i had done on my glock which i'm very happy with i like it um but it's permanent once you once you stipple yeah, it yeah. like that it that's it and this is uh has the exact same feel. And if you don't like it, at least with this one, you can peel you it take off. Take it off, exactly. Yeah, Yours, you can't. Right. And I'm not sure. I'll have to see how long this lasts on, on here, you know, kind of where you get out of it. But for the price point. Well, I mean, and that's a the, gun you use a lot, right? Yeah, I use this every week. So it's, and um, what does stippling cost you? Uh, it's probably about 10 times that. I mean, it's it's, it's like 100 bucks. Yeah. Maybe not 10 times, but would you say that's? 14. 14 bucks, so it's about 100 bucks, a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. So see, well, if yeah. nothing else, do that. And if that ever wears off, then you'll know you like stippling. Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. But, I mean, that. even if you had to replace this every year or something, I, it still would not be a big deal for right. that price. I mean, it'd still be a great value. And you'd get better at putting it on, too. <laughs> you maybe get the back a little straighter. <laughs> it was okay. It was all right. <laughs> but it was cool how they put the little relief notches in the back of it so that it would uh, fit. It is. Yeah, it's, it's a very well-made. It's. I mean, it's really nice. Somebody thought and, that uh, one out a lot. Well, and I was laughing, too, because when I first looked at it, I was trying to figure out, how does this go on here? Because I think I'm, I'm fading faster than Joe Biden here this time of yeah. year. But, and you're not looking at the instructions. But, uh, no. No. I look at the instructions. No. <laughs> instructions. <laughs> but, I mean, there's really only one way to fit it on here. And I yeah, had to, right. I had to laugh once I actually put it on the right way. It's like, what was I doing? I, I'm blown <laughs> away. I did it the right way the first time. But um, but yeah, this is really uh, good. Right. You said you did this on your gun too, as well, Mike. Oh, I had my uh, my Glock thirty. I had him uh, stipple it. They uh -huh. actually did did stippling, which which is if you don't know what that is, I mean they take uh, I think it's basically a hot iron, and they uh, they actually yeah they change the actual uh, shape and uh, of the of the handle, so it's yeah. it's permanent. Well, and that's the thing too. If you get that and you don't like it, then you're stuck. Because yeah, right, I, I, I had another yeah. um, friend that was trying this out uh, yesterday at the match. And he's a retired corrections officer, but he's got he's got like girl hands. It's his hands are real delicate. I hope he's, and, I hope he's listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's listening. I hope he is too. Um, but he said the uh, the he's, regular grip bothers his hands, after, uh, especially if he's shooting a lot. So he really liked this. He thought so it felt his girly really hands great. worked good on that. That's right. His delicate hands uh, were fine on this. So uh, so he was happy with so that. If so if you have girly hands, if that's your issue. You can get a twenty percent discount. Jeez. You have girly hands. No, I I used to just when I have the Lee press on nails, but when oh. I take those off, <laughs> you're golden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, good job, Jet, bud. Good oh, job. Good. I don't have girl. I actually have my my hands are are catcher's mitts. They're ridiculously thick, and my short fingers. It's stupid. That's why you're not a corrections officer. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you don't have girly delicate hands. hands. <laughs> so and by the way all all you correction officers it's 1-800 mike one yeah really mike not any, me any complaints you may have joe dramisi <laughs> all right well hey that was awesome hey guess what do you want to, oh that's mike's call do you want to win to go to gunownersradio.com backslash subscribe join our email list right now 
and you, they'll, you'll pick a winner for next week, right? Oh, yeah. We were supposed to announce a winner. Yeah, or did we announce the winner? I think we, we did. announced the winner. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you want to be a winner, just go to gunownersradio.com slash subscribe, and you could win, too. Join our email list right now, and we'll pick a winner next week. So All right, go. folks. Hey, check out our website to see our Magnum interview by going to gunownersradio.com slash Magnum. The last one was with Charlie, Charlie Cook, who does Gungram right here on AM 1170, FM 98.1, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, Blackhound Optics is now a 10-ring partner. Woohoo! Accurate, affordable, guaranteed sporting optics that go the distance. Backed by customer service that goes the extra mile. You might remember when Joe reviewed some of their scopes. Great guys, great product, and a great company that is making optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer's experience. Did you know their scopes come with mounts? So you don't have to worry about finding one that fits. We are so excited to have them on as official partners of the show. Ask for them at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundoptics.com. Well, our special lawyer is on the line, Mr. John Dillon. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. What do you mean by special? <laughs> our special lawyer. I never get to talk to you anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, been pretty busy lately, but I'm glad I'm on here. How you guys doing? Doing awesome. You probably what, have another kid by now? Uh, almost uh, about uh, two, three weeks, Jeez. depending on how early he wants to come. Uh, we're taking up uh, a collection. No, nothing too important is going on Ye- on my end. Yeah, we're taking up a collection. We're going to get you a VCR. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a bigger Alrighty. car. So what's new? I, are you, everybody keeps saying you got good news. Well, uh, yeah. It's been a busy last month. But uh, the biggest piece of news we had is we did uh, the bench trial for the Miller v. Becerra assault weapon challenge uh, case. And that everybody, was the- everybody's been asking about that. Yes. That is, I've been getting questions about that left and right every single day. Um, can you just can you sum it up and just kind of give us a little like what happened, a little play by play, and yeah, and dumb it down. Yeah. You know, pretend uh, uh, you know. Of course, you're you know, talking the mic. Yeah, Joe <laughs> understands all this stuff, but I don't. I don't know what the heck's going on half the time. But just kind of talk about like what from the everyman, like what what, what exactly happened, and, and what's the next step. Okay, so we had a bench trial on February third. And what a bench trial is, is that is a trial in front of just the judge. So there's no jury or anything like that. Uh, and at, uh, on the third, we uh, started it off and presented our case. Uh, and basically what you do uh, at these trials is, uh, you know, for over a year now, we've been submitting all sorts of filings and briefs uh, in the case, making our legal arguments and presenting evidence. Um so the court has all that, and we, you know the bench trial. The purpose of that of the oral argument is to just orally discuss the case, bring up uh, important facts uh, and evidence, and make your arguments. Kind of reiterate those arguments in front of the judge. Uh, it allows it allows the judge to ask questions just straight to you. Um, 
And so the plaintiffs, uh, we uh, presented our case. Uh, and it, uh, unfortunately, uh, there was some technical issues. You know, all of this is through Zoom uh, and kind of audio video links because of COVID. Uh, so around, uh, I want to say, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, that first day, the, the feed just cut. Uh, and so they had to reschedule the remaining portion of the hearing uh, for the the Friday, that Friday. And, on the and during court, what's what actually is going on during during the uh, during court is you're putting witnesses, expert witnesses up to make your case. Like, like, can you give us some example? What are some of the expert witnesses that that, that had that testified on our behalf? Yeah. So the interesting thing is uh, in this bench trial, we actually had no live testimony. Uh, but what we did have is all of the witnesses and experts, they submitted declarations, uh, in fact, a long time ago. Uh, and back in October, uh, the, the court actually heard from uh, a majority of the witnesses in person uh, at that evidentiary hearing. So uh, because of that, uh, the court and all the parties chose to just submit the declarations as their direct testimony and uh, some depositions were done and transcripts were submitted. Uh, so the, the judge has everyone's testimonies, but uh, no actual live, uh, you know. So then was he just, the hearing. was he just questioning both sides then the attorneys or what, what was actually happening during the court case? Yeah. So for the first day, it was basically uh, we were presenting our, uh, arguments and you know our evidence and you know every now and then when judge found something interesting or wanted to clarification or even challenge something he would ask that uh, and that was uh, a majority of the day uh, on the third and then like I was saying the, the the internet connection cut out and so we had to reschedule for Friday on uh, Friday uh, we finished up the same thing where we just uh, continued our uh, oral argument and presentation of evidence. Uh, and then uh, after uh, the morning, the defense uh, did their uh, their side of everything and submitted their oral argument. And, and that was the end. By the end of the day, it, uh, it was concluded. So we uh, concluded the bench trial on the 5th. No, then there's and then no there's week, there's no curveballs. There's no like, and then they had this surprise. I mean, it's all it's all uh, it's all above board, and and uh, yeah, it, so that's the one thing that the, the movies and TV just get it wrong. There's no such thing as like surprise testimonies, surprise evidence uh, for the most part in, in real litigation. You don't get to do that. Uh, that never happens. So nothing like that, no, uh, you know, curveballs or new testimony or evidence that we'd never seen before. Um, so it all went smoothly. Uh, I, we were very happy with how everything went. Um, felt confident in our arguments and obviously still do. And then last week, uh, as uh, upon request from the court, we submitted a, a updated proposed findings and fact and conclusions of law brief. What does that and mean? Basically, yeah. So it's a big, complicated way of saying a brief that essentially not, it doesn't actually do it in list order, but you're basically listing out all of the facts that support your case uh, with specific citations to evidence that would support 
uh, you know, whatever fact uh, you're putting on that paper. And essentially, it's just a very concise, easy way uh, for the judge to go through the facts and evidence of the case uh, and make determinations. And it's uh, proposed findings of fact because, uh, you know, each party hopes that the court will adopt those findings of fact uh, in their decision. So it's sometimes the judge will take those facts and they can even copy and paste it into their own order if they want to. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's kind of both sides' chance or opportunity to say, hey, judge, this is how you should write at least a portion of your decision. Simplified. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, and, uh, and judges, they can, they can literally sign the proposed finding for a certain party. They can take little pieces of it. Uh, or they can completely write their own and wholly ignore it. Um, wow. there, there's no rule that they have to, to use it or anything like that. But it is helpful uh, to just get everything concise and easy references to evidence. So we submitted all that last week. Uh, and now it's uh, basically a waiting game. And that this uh, is the judge has everything. The mo- this is the most asked question is, you know, well, all right, well what what was the decision? When's the decision? Yeah, what's the decision? What do we you know, <laughs> if there is a decision, what uh, what's it gonna mean and what's it gonna be and what are we gonna be able to do? And the reality is, John, there's like a million different scenarios and there's no definite timeline. Um, do you have um, what kind of guidance let's let's start on the timeline. What kind of guidance can you give us on timeline? When do you think he'll have he'll have a decision? Well, I was going to say, you, you, I couldn't have put it better myself with your initial uh, description of that. Uh, <laughs> timeline, it, you, it's all speculation. Anyone who wants to say, oh, this is when an answer is going to happen, they're guessing. You know, obviously, we are hoping that there is a quick uh, decision that comes out in our favor. But, you know, the, the courts can take the time. There's no... Nothing you know, compels them. Yeah, there's no deadline that says, hey, you got to do it by this date or this happens. Nothing like that. Um, and, and like you said, there's a million different things that can happen. Uh, and, and, you know, they always say uh, the lawyer, all lawyers' favorite and most commonly used answer when asked any type of question, no matter what it is, is, oh, it depends. And, <laughs> So frustrating. And unfortunately, this <laughs> falls into that category. So I told my uh, now. No, what do you think about this? I told myself. I said, "Self, that's what I call myself." Um, I'm not even going to think about this thing for six months, and then six months from now, you know, I might kind of poke my head up and go, "Hey, I wonder what's going on there." But I'm not even going to think about it. There's, I don't know if there's much of a chance of getting any kind of decision within six months. But if there is. Then I'll just we'll hear about it immediately, and I'll be happy. But I mean, it's it's that kind of timeline. We're talking six, maybe twelve months, right? Could be, could be shorter. Uh, you know, the, there's really no way to tell. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't. If you're staring at a computer night and day, wondering when the decision's going to come out any second, constantly refreshing right. your browser, you don't need to do that. Um, I would just say. You know, put it towards the back of your mind and, you know, obviously, you know, pay attention, you know, sign up for updates. I know Farmers Policy Coalition, they yeah. uh, are amazing at updating uh, all of their members and uh, the public with what's going on in these cases. So, um, you know, sign and- up for those type things. And then also, 
there's plenty of other lawsuits that you can pay attention to in the meantime. Uh, like what? What's another good one? We California should... or outside. Uh, <laughs> you know, we have the the Young v. Uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, the Jones v. Becerra case, which is the challenge to the under 21. Uh, we just filed the reply brief on our uh, in, in the Court of Appeals uh, for uh, in our uh, appeal to the preliminary injunction decision. So that just got submitted, uh, I'm going to say last week, but it could have been a week before that. Um, you know, time is jumbled, so uh, unless I'm looking at a calendar, don't quote me on anything. <laughs> and the Jones case, so, it, you know, if you're listening, you're going, all right, you know, people that can buy a gun, if they're, you know, adults who can buy a gun under 21, why does that matter to me? I'm not 21 anymore. It's 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 beyond that. I mean, this is it's further solidifies that hey, this is a civil right that applies to people. And once you eat, uh, excuse me, once you reach the age of majority, all these civil rights should be protected by our government, not not regulated and taken away by our government. Um, so it, it it's not just if you're under 21. It, this matters to anybody who's a gun owner who who thinks civil rights is important. But anyway, thank you so much for doing everything you do, man. I really really. Just think you're the best, John. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, congratulations on the new one showing up. It's going to be wonderful. All righty. I'll send you guys some pictures when he comes. All right. What's his name? David? Uh, Honestly, no idea, so I'm open for recommendations. (laughs) All right. I like mic drop. (laughs) I think that's a perfect one. So write in and and, uh, let us know what you think John should name his kid. I'm sure his wife will Uh, appreciate that. consider them. Yes, she will. <laughs> some character from Red Dawn, hopefully. Uh, yeah, some character from Red Dawn. <laughs> the best if you email us and we uh, we'll, we'll, ju- we'll, we'll judge them, and the best uh, yeah. the best suggestion will win uh, something really special. I don't and, know. And if John and uses it, it, I will present them to my wife. There, you, there go. you go. All right, buddy. Hey, take care, and we'll talk to you later, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM <laughs> <laughs> The answer. Lord have mercy. Hey, our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do to do. Go to Spotify, Parlor, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show and do me a favor and share that with all your friends and thanks for tuning in remember together we will win like and subscribe to our show on youtube facebook we really want to thank you and i have no idea what that s stands for just s just general s oh just so general yeah. s hey now our favorite segment right now stump my nephew sam the gunman hey sam how you doing buddy i'm great how are you guys Oh, man, we're just living the dream. Joe Jermisi is going to throw this tough question at you, so be ready. Let, yeah, let me set it up real quick. So uh, the Sam Sam the Gunman, my nephew, stumped my nephew, uh, is uh, a, a whiz kid when it comes to totally. uh, gun trivia. So if you have a question that you want to see if you can stump him with, email it. If you if we use your question, we'll, uh, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. If you if we use your question, you stump them. You'll get a front site membership worth uh, thousands of dollars, 
and it'll give you a, basically a, a lifetime of uh, firearms instruction. So, ah. without further ado. Okay, so we're going here. So uh, got one for you here, Sam, and uh, finally maybe a challenge for you. We'll have to see here. Uh-oh. So uh, going to branch out, going to go international here. So it says the um, – oh, and this is from uh, John Wang from Kansas City, Oregon. Yeah. And um, it says the Chinese firearms industry has also produced some interesting guns. What is significant about the BBQ-901? You know what? I'm going to come right out and say it. I have never heard of that before. Sounds delicious. The, the <laughs> BBQ-901. because you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree with you there, but – I I'm at a complete loss here. A Chinese BBQ. I'm not even. I, what's the what, what's the answer? So the answer to this, and, and actually this this might be, uh, you know, they might have to argue this here. I don't know if we're going to hear from Sam's mom on this one. The, um, <laughs> His momager says the uh, the Chinese BBQ 901 anest- anesthetic gun system uh, is a slightly um, Sinister device for neutralizing an assailant and is probably derived from game conser- conservatory dart rifles. It's a single-shot handheld weapon uh, that fires a projectile, and that on impact, the projectile injects a liquid anesthetic. So depending on the type of anesthetic used, uh, this will render the target unconscious for one to three minutes. It's like so James the- Bond stuff yeah, here. Theoretically, uh, this affects the... Uh, or the effects of the anesthetic wear off in about four minutes, which uh, apparently is going to give uh, people enough time to handcuff the subject. Don't you do that to wild animals? <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I mean, but don't, don't they know. have a, a gun? <laughs> it sounds shoot? like it. It sounds like a dart, big old dart gun with a, uh, you know. With you know, a, I'm a, I think we should let him slide on this one. The Chinese that's, barbecue. That's not a real firearm. Now, I've been to... Uh, a China? Chinese BBQ once well, or twice. The, the problem, though, if you use delicious. this thing, you get you get one to four minutes for it to take effect. A lot of stuff can happen in one to four yeah. minutes. All right. I mean, that was I'm, – I'm letting that one slide. You let that one slide. I think we should let that – don't you think so, Sam? I mean, do you sell that, that weapon at your store? Well, to be fair, we also don't sell a whole heck of a lot of other uh, weapons that have been on the show at our store. And right now we don't sell a lot of weapons at all at our store. We can't get anything. Yeah, I know. It's What's terrible. that like? What's it like? So what do you guys do? Yeah, what are you doing? Cleaning? We, I mean, we, we've been getting a smattering of, of stuff in here and there, um, and it's gotten slightly less bad. But this is still, I mean, to those of you who aren't aware of this, the, the entire firearms industry has been seeing the kind of levels of demand you usually see in the two weeks leading up to a major presidential election for about a year now. And it's been going on a little bit longer in Virginia due to um, our own state politics. But um, that, combined with manufacturers not being able to uh, resume normal operations due to lockdowns and not being able to even get materials due to their material suppliers being under lockdown, has led to a, a completely unprecedented situation. What, what's the politics? Give us, we got, you got one minute. What's, what are the politics in Virginia? What's happening? Um, well, uh, not November 2020, but uh, November 2019, the election unexpectedly for some people um, went very heavily blue, and it was feared correctly that the uh, incoming legislators at the state level would try to pass 
um, a host of sweeping new firearm legislation, um, California style, which, of course, they attempted in January, and they did pass a lot of what they wanted to, but um, not all of it. So we're talking gun bans and magazine bans, or what are we talking? Pretty much, yeah. Um, all the above, huh? Just everything California style. Um, the the big thing that they wanted to pass that they didn't was uh, basically a complete assault weapons ban with magazine bans. Hey, wow. Sam, on there, um, on the uh, what? How does the uh, the effect of those those uh, gun laws that they passed? How's that going to play out on the next election? Is it looking like um, people maybe are going to get booted out of office uh, because of that? Well, I'm not sure. I think people have um, sort of the the irritation at our own state. Uh, politicians has kind of died down, and the the only big lasting effect that um, that we see on a day to day basis is the uh, the mandatory background checks thing. For, well, two things actually: mandatory background checks on private transfers, um, and um, also uh, a one handgun a month restriction. You well, can't buy more than one handgun within a 30-day period you, unless you have a concealed carry permit. That's Virginia, period. folks. Pro-gun Virginia. you got to get them to read uh, Joe's blog. He did a fantastic blog on activism. So thank you so much. That's awesome job. As always, Sam, I really appreciate it, buddy. Take care, man. Thanks very much. You guys have a good night. And now it's time for this week's Mic Drop. It paused. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try that again. And now it's time for this week's Mic Drop. Mic Drop. Take two. <laughs> this week's Mic Drop is a little different. Usually we pick a person, but this week, this week it's about a group. And more specifically, the behavior and actions of a group. Now, most of us lump anti-gunners and anti-gun groups into one sad, grating pile. And for good reason. They lie. They shriek. Can they conflate to the benefit of their bias and to the detriment of your civil rights? And like we are about to see, they say horrible, vile things while dishonoring the memory of the fallen just to move their own political opinions forward. The Times of San Diego contacted San Diego County gun owners and asked us our opinion of a new group of anti-gunners and their new campaign to ban guns. Oh, joy. Yet another group of unreasonable, anti-common sense, science deniers, who claim they're all about gun safety, yet they don't teach a single gun safety class. The new group is called Change the Ref. They are just your typical anti-gun group, though, like the others. Their campaign consists of printing out a postcard and sending it to members of Congress. The twist is the postcards are called shame cards, and they highlight a mass murder that happened in your city. Postcards are supposed to show the one or two icons that really encapsulate the image of a city, so they're replacing that with murder. San Diego's shame card says, Greetings from San Diego, the town of the San Ysidro Massacre, California. And it cleverly depicts drawings of murder victims. Isn't that nice? The reference is the mass murder from 1984, 37 years ago at a McDonald's in South County, a horribly tragic day that was caused by a mentally sick individual and finally stopped by a group of good guys with guns. Change the ref is horrible. Their attempt to inject snark and leverage murdered people and try to make their organization look grassroots is beyond gross. The reporter for the Times of San Diego, Ken Stone, quoted San Diego Democratic Congressman Mike Levin, who said that he, quote, stands with advocates and families who are trying to make our communities safer. 
Yet he's never stood with San Diego County gun owners and condemns our efforts to help people get their CCW so their communities will be safer. Republican Congressman Daryl Issa didn't bother to respond to the reporter's request for comment at all. Not a word. Thanks a lot, Daryl. San Diego gun owners, however, did respond and send a quote. Our quote went a little something like this. Quote, only someone with a political agenda who is not from San Diego would say that San Diego is, quote, known for a horrible murder 37 years ago. What is shameful is taking away people's ability to defend their lives by exploiting murdered San Diegans. The reality is anti-gun groups use murder to further their political agenda, and our organization uses our political agenda to stop and prevent murders. We're San Diegans and we're gun owners. We take pride in both, and if you are either, make sure to tell those who choose to guilt or disparage us for political purposes that we won't stand for it. The good news is it's not up to them. It's up to us. We define who we are. San Diego is known for surfing and off-roading, tacos and burritos, beaches in the zoo, SeaWorld and Legoland, breweries full of the world's best craft beer, and thanks to the hardworking members of San Diego County Gun Owners, we're also known for gun ownership, fighting back against political narratives and CCWs. Not one single postcard will ever be able to change that, and we continue to build it every single day. All right, folks. And hey, are you in law enforcement? We backed the blue and created law enforcement training scholarship. Train with John Correa and active self-protection during Cover Your Ass Week for free. Go to gunownersradio.com slash LEO and support. And we want to thank San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, CL1, PRMI Mortgage, Blackout Optics, and National Concealed Carry. Thanks to Michael Schwartz, Joe Jamisi, Sam the Gunman, and Brendan Thomas for a wonderful show. Thanks, guys. Be safe. We'll see you next week. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.